listening audience. Welcome to Heads Up, a show about mental health and wellness. I'm retired school counselor, Sue Mullen, and with me is my co-host, licensed family and mental health counselor, Diane Vaccarello. Hello, Diane Vaccarello. Hi, Sue. So good to see you in just a short week. Good to see you as well. Uh, how was your week? Fantastic. The, we got through the rain, Halloween, all of that. So, oh, busy yeah, good time. Times. Busy time yeah. at the farm. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, you and I had a conversation after last week's episode about the fact that this show is billed as being about mental health and wellness. Right. And that we spend a tremendous amount of time talking about mental health, and we have hardly used the word wellness in the bunch of episodes that we've produced to this point. So uh, this week, I am suggesting that we go to that wellness aspect of Heads Up. And so I'm going to, I don't know, maybe quiz you a little bit, mm. surprise you uh, a tad. I like surprises. I know you do, and yep. I like keeping you on your toes. Yeah. So uh, it, you know that I do the research before yes. we jump on camera. Mm -hmm. And this week, I went to the National Wellness Institute, which is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. All right. And I started to educate myself and to quiz myself on what I felt I knew about wellness. Mm. So let me read something to you. Great. The definition of wellness long used by the National Wellness Institute Wellness is an active process through which people become aware of and make choices toward a more successful existence. It's consistent with these tenets, that wellness is a conscious, self-directed, and evolving process of achieving full potential, that wellness is multidimensional and holistic, encompassing li lifestyle, mental and spiritual well-being and the environment, and that wellness is positive and affirming. I think you would probably agree with all of those statements. I love that definition. Well, I wonder if our viewing audience would say, what did she just say? <laughs> there was a lot in there. Yeah, there was a, a lot in there. Yeah. So, um, Billy, if you can throw up the graphic that we are giving mm -hmm. our audience this week, uh, most specifically, what I would like to do, Diane, is talk about the six dimensions of wellness. Mm. And those six dimensions of wellness, with a little tweaking by me, mm -hmm. are emotional, environmental slash occupational, intellectual, physical, social, and spiritual, according to the Wellness Institute. Right. So uh, your task this week is to start our conversation on how those six things stand out from one another and how they, when integrated, allow us to have a balanced life mm. And the challenge in today's game show is that I don't want you to talk about the emotional component until the very end. I will take this challenge. I will say that that's going to be different for me to not talk about the emotional part, but I think it's a really important challenge probably that we should all give ourselves in really taking a look at how complex but um, 
well-rounded a human right. needs to be in right. order to address you know all the points that affect us so I will do my best not to say the e-word okay and uh, we'll focus on uh, other than environmental and we'll focus on these other layers all right now I will uh, I'll put a disclaimer out there for okay. the audience and yes. that is that I know that you know that I agree that emotional well-being is sort of an undercurrent in our life. Of course. So I will buy you a little room to okay. sort of wiggle things in there if you need to. Excellent. Um, what puzzle piece would you like to talk about first? I think I'd like to, to talk about uh, the occupational. Okay, component. All right, well that is uh, right at the top of my list as Excellent. well. So again, let me review something with you from the National Institute. Uh, the environmental occupational dimension encompasses a healthy relationship with the earth and its resources and a healthy relationship with your personal surroundings. It means being intentional about, and then it goes on about talking about protecting yourself from environmental hazards, caring for and organizing your personal and professional spaces mm. so that you are free from unnecessary stress. That mm. was very interesting to me. And conserving resources and leading a lifestyle that's respectful of your immediate surroundings, the community you live in, and the planet. We could probably spend a week talking about all of these things. So sure. on your mark, get set, go. Well, first of all, thanks for doing this research You're and welcome. for providing some handouts. I really love having um, sort of a fresh take on, you know, uh, just your, your, your insight in terms of like, what we should focus on and then my ability to just sort of like pull out what I see and translate from people I work with on a regular basis. Right. And I will definitely say that environment plays a really big role and COVID is one of those things that kind of brought up challenged people's environment a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, people had to shift from where they were into a new space and make that space something that would work for them. Mm -hmm. I think it obviously encompasses our home environment, our workplace environment, um, but our community environment as well and the world we live in. One of the things that stood out in that definition was a person's ability to make choices, mm -hmm. that that's really key to wellness. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the case in this way as well, all the way from young um, sort of like children, adolescents, growing into teenagers, having some say in sort of what their environment looks like in their room. Yep. You know, it's, it's a part of a person's identity. Um, I really like the idea of conserving, you know, when we talk about reduce, reuse, recycle, that's part of the environmental piece, but um, conserving a, a person's um, stress you know, keeping it from getting there in the first place. Right. But our surroundings are important. How we how we work, we want to be able to have a space that allows us to just do our jobs, mm -hmm. right? Let me let me stop you for a second. So what you're doing um, is interchangeably using the word environment, mm -hmm. uh, not only to mean things like respect for clean water and uh, energy and outdoor spaces, right. but also environment as 
the space that we're in at any given moment during our day, the environment exactly. of home, yeah. the environment of work, mm -hmm. the environment of play. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And so when we then move into the occupational piece with regard to a person's work environment, even schools, right? Or, um, you know, kids' work is their school mm -hmm. oftentimes in mm -hmm. learning. Um, our ability to do our jobs, whatever that job is, we have to have a certain amount of like basic needs being met mm -hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs which we've talked about before um, you have to be able to have access to essential kinds of things like clean water or whatever the case may be right um, and so all of these things integrate into one another but mental health wise and I won't say the e-word but ultimately we really have to uh, understand that certain things in our environment and even in our jobs can detract from our ability to focus on what it is that we deliberately want in our lives, how mm -hmm. we deliberately want to be, and our ability to be very conscious while we're doing it. It can be a very big distraction, and consciousness, deliberateness is really important. And some of those things we have control over mm -hmm. and choices right. about. Right. Others, maybe not so much. Sure, yeah. I mean, if you get the office that is next to the ice maker, mm -hmm. then you have to adapt at a certain level, right? right. To the fact that you're constantly going to have that background noise. Sure. A window office, no window office, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. Um, you know, I think it's it's one of those things where we have to be aware of how much of a fit our space is for mm -hmm. us. There are certain things we can't control, of course, but other things that we can. And so really focusing in on the parts that we can control and, you know, again, the occupational part of it, choosing a job that is um, suitable for what our individual needs are. It's a customized right. thing that we need to really be selective with. So some people might be more bothered by certain sensory things. Yep. And so they wouldn't want to choose a job that's really challenging those areas, right? We right. want to, again, keep our stress levels down. So making a match that fits. Other people may not have a, that may not register for them that that's something yeah, that detracts. It's interesting. I'm thinking about two things uh, from my life as uh, a school employee. Mm. One is how classroom teachers have to be receptive to how much noise they're making mm. and how much noise they can manage from the rooms on either side of them. Oh, right. And I'm also thinking about how we talk to kids about whether or not as they're thinking about becoming occupationally employed adults, right. do you want to work with data, people, things? Uh, yeah, sounds. And, and that's, I, I think that's what you're talking about, exactly. is making choices suited to you. Exactly, customized and really, but that requires a person really understanding what irritates or agitates and what soothes and what comforts. It's really about looking inward and getting to know ourselves really, really well enough to understand what degree these things impact us. Right, right, yeah. because light and sound may affect me differently than you. Exactly. Um, let me read something to you. It is better to choose a career which is consistent with our personal values, interests, and beliefs than to select one that is unrewarding to us. Mm. True I or false? I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm um, oftentimes working with 
early adults, you know, teens heading off to college, and it's an overwhelming process for them to think about what kind of career do I want to pick. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important that we have some time in life um, to explore. It may not even be college, could be a trade, could be something entirely different, mm -hmm. going into a business sector, whatever mm -hmm. it is, really um, understanding what's important to that person, what their values are, mm -hmm. as we're early adult years, even into our 20s, we're trying to really like understand what our values are. Sometimes we know certain things early on. Mm -hmm. We have a family that um, sort of like has a culture that's been created. Right. Um, and as we move on in our years, we're able to develop, take and leave certain parts of that. Right. If we're not introspective, if we're not really paying attention to those things, it's really difficult. It's sort of like throwing a dart and just, mm -hmm. you know, where is it landing? Um, but if we can really grow into spaces where we're exposed to things mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. and we understand, oh, that really <clears throat> connects with my inner self. I'm feeling strong about that. Right. Um, if we're in alignment with that, I think we just have much more sense of like purpose that doesn't expire, you yep. know, really yep. quickly. It, it sort of grows. I'm thinking about the difference between a job and a career yeah. by definition mm -hmm. and also that we work throughout a lifespan. We work for different reasons. Mm, I mean, I can, I clearly remember telling my own 16 year old to basically, you know, get off his high horse. He was not the boss. He didn't oh, need to yeah. agree with what was going on or whatever because mm -hmm. he was uh, an a teen employee. And the job is to learn how to listen to people, right? Follow and, directions and to take mm -hmm. orders from exactly. from somebody who's in a position of authority. Mm -hmm. I certainly know plenty of people who are committed to to what they do and find tremendous purpose right. in their jobs. Yeah. I also know people that hate getting up every morning and going to work, and yet that job may serve a purpose for them, to your point, mm -hmm. whether it's um, a, a paycheck that allows them to do things they wanna do in life, yep. whether it's you know uh, flexibility to yep. afford them other roles in their life, mm -hmm. whatever it is, as long as that is what's important to a person, what drives them, what's interesting to them, um, and serves the purpose getting through a certain stage in life, then we can like really feel good about it. I've been uh, curious to watch as I've aged myself because I chose to spend my uh, most productive career years working in a field where I knew that in and of itself it was not gonna make me wealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've mm -hmm. also seen people go into jobs because of the paycheck. Yes. And, um, I don't know that that has always been the panacea that people thought it was gonna be. Exactly. I think it really has to be tied and grounded to what are you doing that for, mm -hmm. right? What are you, and that's where when I'm working with someone, I'm also really asking them questions like, okay, so you have that, now what do you wanna do with that? Mm -hmm. How does it bring you joy? How does it you know, add to fulfillment in your life? Yep. Does it actually cause problems in your life, mm -hmm. right? So we can't just assume that you know, having a, a big paycheck doesn't have drawbacks that are actually creating distress for someone. How about the stress? Exactly. 
Exactly, of maintaining it, mm -hmm. of you know, never sort of falling back from that. There's lots of layers. What do you do when what you want and what you're required to do you can't have and I'm, I'm thinking about mm -hmm. somebody who wants to have a family with uh, four or more children mm -hmm. and that not only requires a lot of financial resources but it also requires a lot of presence mm -hmm. to be driving to and from and uh, and what do you do when what you what your heart desires mm -hmm you can't always manage with the career that you've, you've chosen. Do you run into that? I do. There's this um, organizational sort of, uh, and not everything can be this rational, I'm aware, nor should it, but I do think it's important for people to rank order sort of what they care about the most, what's most important to them. Mm -hmm. and, and we can't have everything at a 10. Right. You know, we have to decide where we're putting things, and, and we do have to make distinctive differences, even if it's like a 9.8, 9.7 kind of difference. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's that, and then we focus on what parts we can control right. and what parts we can't. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who focus on the things that are most important to them, they really have organize that and that can change over the course of time of course yeah it's not, it's not um, something that's like a snapshot in time mm -hmm. or permanent but I do think that if they focus on the things that are most important and what they can control mm -hmm. that is where the focus needs to remain because the other things if you give it energy um, there's no it, you're not getting anything in return for that right it's right. just lost energy in a sense of course you know as you're processing and deciding what do I like what do I not like that's a stage where you just let yourself explore and experiment and things like that mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it um, it really is important to distinguish what we have control over what we don't and what's most important do you ever see people and I'm mindful of the fact that I don't want you to share identifying stories or characteristics, but um, do you see people who in the job environment, um, we're talking a lot about choices and making good decisions or whatever, do you see people that are the problem the problem in terms of um, whatever like, the scenario is. Like the office problem. There you like, go, here you are. Like what do you do if the person who is working with you or what do you do when you're in an office and you know who the gossip is oh, or yeah. you know who the person is that takes the two-hour lunch break mm -hmm. or... How do you manage those kinds of things? Yeah, well, if, if that is the person and I'm working with them, it really is um, having a encouraging sort of a mindset for stepping back and saying, what am I doing that's working? What am I doing that maybe mm -hmm. not work, is not working? Um, really allowing ourselves, again, to be reflective and take feedback, have mm -hmm. open-mindedness so that we um, can grow and learn and shift. You know, there are certain behaviors, I feel like, that serve a purpose for a person mm -hmm. or they wouldn't be doing them. Mm -hmm. And so it's also tying this into what is the kickback? What are they getting from yeah. that behavior or that way of being? Um, and can it be traded in for something else that still serves a purpose but is not so annoying or not so, right? Right. Not really affecting the social aspect, which is one of the other layers of these, you know, six factors. Yeah, it just, I'm always um, uh, uh, somewhat amused, you know, because we see things 
in conferences and sure. uh, workshops, staff mm -hmm. development, things, whatever, right? Everybody's always talking about what do you do to work with difficult people? Sure. But I just wonder, does anybody ever start a, an exploration thinking, wow, I think I'm the difficult person? Usually it doesn't start out that way. But mm -hmm. I will say there are people who will sort of come in and say, you know, I, I think that I'm annoying people. Because and they are reading their environment. Exactly. And see disapproval yeah. or. Uh, and I think the big thing is when people can step back and recognize patterns. Mm -hmm. That's when they may not notice in the beginning, but two or three or four points on the line. And they're, they're like, this is a different environment, different work setting, whatever right. the case may be, but the same patterns mm -hmm. are happening. And I'm the common denominator of that. Right, right. That's got to be a very powerful it, moment. It's an exciting moment mm -hmm. for, for me because it's where that um, openness to saying and, and vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? They're being vulnerable enough to say, I see there's a problem with this. What can I do? Mm -hmm. I mean, what more can you ask for in those moments? Right, right. Change can, can take place. It, it's going to be hard, but the person's on board and they're aware. At the center of occupational wellness is the premise that occupational development is related to one's attitude about one's work. Yeah, I think this ties into probably all of them. A person's attitude really is everything mm -hmm. in so many ways. So the attitude towards others, attitude towards oneself, attitude towards their company mm -hmm. or where they work. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, um, again, that's something we have control over. Right. And so it's important because it affects pretty much everything. It's a, it's like when you make a decision to enter into a meeting with someone or whatever, it's checking the attitude and, and bringing to that space yeah. a fresh take on that space mm -hmm. and not just letting everything roll over into it. You know, the shadows that come in right. and, you know, do their thing. But I think it's, uh, you know, attitude is good around, um, I'll say mental health and relationships, who wants to be around someone who has a negative, pessimistic outlook on everything. Right. Pessimism can be protective for people, but it's no fun. It's interesting because I am finding um, in my own adult development, mm. now that I own a Medicare card, yes, <laughs> uh, I, I'm finding that I'm having discussions with people in my age bracket about what they can do, and I'll say occupationally, because I don't necessarily think that you need to get a paycheck in order right. to be purposeful in an occupational way. Absolutely true. But a lot of people get lost when they retire yeah. because they don't know what to do if they don't have that job to go to. Right. And uh, I think that you know comes back to that idea of a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. People don't know how to do it. They don't know how to start. This is a whole new area that I'm, I'm sort of dipping my toe into. Right. So we just went the whole lifespan in some ways around how to start, how to end, how to transition. Yeah. All of these things, you know, as we're going through different stages of life, we have to kind of reevaluate mm -hmm. and say, what it is, what is it that's important to me now? What is it that my needs are? Um, and that purpose piece of it ties into even other aspects like the spirituality around mm -hmm. a person's um, sense of purpose and what their mm -hmm. um you know, sort of like role is, and that feeds back into even self-esteem, self-worth, 
attitude. We're going to spend a whole segment talking about spirituality. Yeah. And you know, when I, when I hear you even say the word spirituality and I'm talking about it, I'm reminded of um, Representative Dave Danielson, mm -hmm. who used to come to um, our meetings in the community, and he, we would talk about things like substance misuse and co-occurring mm -hmm. mental health and mm -hmm. all sorts of challenges. And he would always raise the question and just ask and say, "What about spirituality?" Mm -hmm. You know, and it's something that I don't think people necessarily ask. What about that? You know, it's right. not really talked about a whole lot necessarily, mm -hmm. as it ties into mental wellness, but I think it ties into all of, all of these layers tie into one another. Right, um, right. But that idea of bigger purpose. Yeah, yes. meaningfulness. Exactly. Sort of the idea that there is something larger than you are. Right. And that you have a contributing factor towards the wellness that comes from from occupational endeavors. Even the sense of, you know, bigger than we are in terms of community and worldview mm -hmm. and all of these kinds of things. And I think worldview is an important thing. It's sort of tied into an individual's belief systems mm -hmm. and different families have different belief systems, different individuals within families even. Mm -hmm. But I do think that people find comfort and connection um, at times with people who have similar worldviews or mm -hmm. beliefs that are important to them. Yep. And I think that's really important that people find connection through that. Right. Um, it can be very grounding. Grounding and sort of a bit of a wake-up call, I mean, to all of us. I'm When, when I'm thinking about this idea of uh, our the environment of our community, you know, something that is so important to one person may not be that important to somebody else yes. and to that second person, someone, something else may be more important. Right. Um, uh, you know, somebody throws litter on the ground, right? Okay, well, we can say that that's not being respectful towards the environment. Mm -hmm. But it, there's more to it than just throwing the paper cup on the ground. Exactly. There's the respect that people sort of attribute to walking across the parking lot and putting your empty coffee cup in the trash container. Exactly. Instead of throwing it on the ground. So being a part of a solution versus a problem yeah. is is a way of feeling good about oneself. Yep. Right, and having a sense of um, pride in things. There's this uh, broken window effect, psychologically speaking, where people, um, they studied in inner cities where you know you could have a, a region that had a lot of litter, graffiti, whatever the case may be, and people would be more likely to drop a, a piece of something, a wrapper, whatever there, than on the, the lawn that's really manicured and tidy, right? right and so it's right. sort of like if it's already, trashed or that literally they recognize that broken windows mm -hmm. led to more litter and trash. It, it's sort of like in a car, if you already have a bunch of stuff, you know, you're right. just, it's, what's one more thing? Right. Um, but we can have that attitude, broken window effect when it comes to relationships, when it comes to our um, workplace environment, when mm -hmm. it comes to our community. And we have to stop ourselves and say, all right, this can lead down a path that's not great. I'm going to stop you at this point. Are we out of time already? I know you're shocked Always. every week. Yeah. Every week. I want to thank the viewers for either watching us or listening to us today. If, uh, if you're listening to our podcast, we are available on YouTube, on BCTV On Demand, and 
and uh, thank you, Diane Vaccarello, for coming in and spending this afternoon with me. And next week we'll be back, though I'm not going to tell our listeners and viewers what your choice is going to be. Okay. We'll be talking about one of the other six ah, dimensions of wellness. Excellent. All Sounds right. good. I'll look forward to that. Excellent. Have a great week. You too. Okay. Bye. You gotta keep your head